Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. And as he stands before Pontius Pilate, many matters have led us there. Events and circumstances have led us to a day when the Son of God stands before Pontius Pilate and he makes one of the most revealing confessions and the center and reason why God is going to speak to you this day the way you're going to hear him. He's born in the world. He's a lover of God, a child of God, 100% God and 100% man in the flesh. First dimension of the spirit, he's in the synagogues, uh, debating the scriptures, trying to reveal something that men cannot see. And the Bible says, and the child works in wisdom and in stature. So as he's growing, wisdom is coming upon him. See, Christ, <laughs> because he came in the form of man and took on a certain nature, he subjected himself to the growth of a normal human being. That's why the Bible says that this child grew in wisdom. In other words, there was a transitional line that God allowed him to increase into. Jesus was not born wise. He grew into that pattern because it was the humility of the Son of God to be born that way because he was setting a pattern for us who would believe after and an example for us who would follow this way. And then... He, you know, debates and then he's consecrated, goes into baptism, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit, starts to do signs, miracles, and wonders, but most importantly, that he starts to teach the words of the kingdom. And as he's teaching men about the words of the kingdom, instructing them in the way that they should go in the things of the Spirit, um, a lot of attention starts to come through. People are catching the attention of this young man who for some reason is stirring men to follow him. Because imagine a situation where this 30-year-old is walking, 31-year-old or 32-year-old, and more than 5,000 people are following him. They don't know where they're coming from. They had jobs. They had commitments. They have children. They have families. But they are flonging at him, right? And they're, they're following him for things nobody can explain. There are synagogues, there are Pharisees, there are Sadducees, there are Essenes, there are teachers and doctors of the law, rabbis. But they don't quite, are not followed that way, all right? And then social systems are shaken, political systems are shaken, economical systems are shaken. Normal human life comes to a standstill because of this fellow. And now because the people he's dealing with are carnal, they start to look at him as a threat. He's a threat to their politics. He's a threat to their institution. He's a threat to their doctrine. He's a threat to their man-made imposed ordinances. He's a threat to their temple. He's a threat to the posterity of their people. He's a threat to their wares, to their businesses. He's a threat to everything. He goes into temples and tears down people's wealth. You understand? He pays taxes through mouths of fish. His disciples are healing the sick instead of going to sorcerers. It's crazy. He messes it up. Now, they start to look at Jesus Christ as the one who is coming to impose himself in their space. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? So by the time they report him to Rome and then he starts to stand before uh, the prefects of Judea and everywhere else, they are asking him questions because they want to see whether he's truly a threat to Rome because evidently he is a threat to Judaism and the whole Judistic order and anything that was known in that world. My Jesus, 
makes a very powerful statement that day standing before this man because they start to think that he's in their place of, of thinking. And then he tells them, he says, my kingdom, he says, is not of this world. And he tells them, for if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence, from here. He's trying to tell them, look, much as what is on my life is shaking your social structures and bringing threat to your system, it was not originally my idea and intention. Jesus did not come from heaven to say, you know what? Let me go and just shake their systems and structures. Are you hearing me? That's the wrong heart and in the wrong place. It has never been in the mind of God to simply shake systems and structures only for the sake of shaking it. And sadly, some of us Christians, when we see shakings, we simply think that it's so much in the choice and mind of God to shake than it is for the purpose and intention of God in the bigger plan of things. Because again, in the church, we're not so much giving prudence to men. We're not giving men the wisdom of prudence. You see, you will never have a definitive part and lot in the gospel until you have the full understanding of God's purpose or plan in your dispensation. The devil has pushed the church where he wants us to be. And what do I mean by that? The church has sort of built a form of tradition and I believe that it's tending so much to error as we go through uh, towards the end of many things. Many people are going to realize that this was an error in the first place. Um, but at first it looked like a place of redemption for the lost, the sick, the bound, and, and those that are troubled. And um, church uh, has become a place of deliverance, which was good but it stayed and maintained only the place of deliverance from the elements of the world. So you have a bunch of guys who come every Sunday, but with this mindset of, let me go to church. Maybe I'll have enough understanding to get a job. Let me go to church. Maybe I'll have enough understanding to get a husband. Let me go to church. Maybe I'll get enough understanding to get a wife or a child or to get this or to get that or to excel in my exams. You understand? And so... The true hunger and thirst for the things of the spirit really is pointing men to the end of the things they so desire but have not yet aligned themselves to the need of heaven. And before we know it, what was supposed to be the gospel to reveal to us the face of Christ and the message of the kingdom, it has become uh, a place and a mind of putting lust on men to desire things uh, of this world and giving to the ways of this world. And before you know that now, church looks like a shrine. People just go there to do witchcraft, really, to cast their enemies, to cast disease, which is all okay, I mean for disease part. But at the end of the day, you look at these people, they've been in church for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, and they are so far from the reality of heaven. They are so far from pattern and purpose. They are so far from pattern not. They are so far from the responsibility of what they were given and in the calling with which God has called them. And I'll tell you why. Because that is how systems have been set. That's how the world is. That's the God of religion. That's the foundation of Rome. The system and the structure. Its mythology, its philosophy, its ideas, its rationalization, its liberalism, its confusion, its debate, its competition, its comparison, its, its that. And it's so embedded in the system of the church. For you to understand this, I would need to teach you 2,000 years of church history. But you will see how social systems over the years have built, whether you're talking about Rome, the system, the structure, mythology, Greek mythology, Greek philosophies, or roster gods, um, the way it is set. 
to how it goes into England in the Church of England, to how it goes into Islam in Saudi Arabia, to how it crosses over into the rest of the religions in the world, and how when the Pentecostal comes, because there is no set system and structure to follow, all he has is to borrow pieces and patterns of pagan worship. And before you know that, Pentecostal born-again believers are starting to look like religious people. And there's somebody in the room who has been born again for 10 years. They don't even know what I'm talking about, but they have been in church. Are you following what I'm saying? That is why the next move of the spirit, if men are not wise, they will not be able to minister. Because why? People are growing in God. People are understanding things. They are connecting one and two. You don't just bring your crafts. Now God, then you excite guys. No. They read their Bibles. They pray. They hear the spirit of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, because of that, the church every day is starting to look more like the world. They mean that we don't have moral systems and structures and character. Those things are wonderful. But there's still things in us that the devil has skillfully, you know, brought into the system of the Christian faith. And they are so worldly, and we don't even know that they're worldly. And these things are besetting us already. Now, go back to Jesus' day. When Jesus comes to them, he starts doing his ministry. These fellows think that Jesus is coming to enter their world and then take over their positions, their jobs, their influences, their institutions, their politics, their everything. That's what they really think. Jesus tries to give them a summation of his mind in lieu of what they think. And he tells them, look, eh? Much as you think I'm here as a threat, it was not even my primary intention to come to be a threat, to be any of that which you're saying. Actually, my primary original idea was that the kingdom of God is infused in the earth. I came to preach the kingdom, Jesus says. I came to reveal the mind of God concerning the kingdom of heaven. I am not interested in anything earthly, but you still don't get it. Tell them, look, if I was for this earthly kingdom, then my disciples, my followers, would have gone them together and refused you to touch me or snatch me out from their hands. But I am here because, you see, I cannot tell them to fight this way. I am not in your system of function. Do you understand? One time I was preaching the gospel. After service, somebody came and said, hey, and I have also, today you've hit me on the head. But wh- why did you hit me on the service? You understand? Eh? Now, my conscience was clear before God that I did not have this person in mind when I was preaching. I did not intend to say the things that I said that day. There were, uh, and I can still bear witness before God that there were a hundred percent God breathed. Right? But this person in their head collected that I went home and, you know, prayed for two hours, three hours waiting on the word of the Lord or waiting on what to say just to come eh? and zero my issue on one individual amidst the thousands for whom I carry conviction for. Are you hearing me? And that individual probably thinks that men at my level of the spirit can go down to that person's level. You understand? It becomes hard to convince certain people because they've not been where we have been. But I can't sit funeral, the whole funeral service, to zero on you, one person. Because 
You know, the Christians who are so paranoid, you know what paranoia is? They misunderstand everything. You say something and say, why did you talk about me? Are you, are you sure you're the one? Who else? <laughs> you're like, you understand what I'm saying? Eh? Like somebody thinks that they are the only person with that issue. You get my point, eh? Now, I understand where they were thinking from because, see, that's how the world thinks. That's the way carnal men think, and I understand where they are thinking from. Are you hearing me? And maybe that's how some men of God operate. But that's not me. You understand? And I could not get to their level to help them understand that. I could only tell them, look, I couldn't have done that, but I don't know whether you'll understand, but I can't get your issue and make it the conviction of a whole ministry. It can't be. You get it? What's the spirit breathed? The scriptures are profitable for reproof. They are profitable for instruction, for correction, for rebuke, that the man of God will be furnished in all things and too good. So, for a moment, have you ever thought that maybe, yes, maybe they're addressing my issue, but God is trying to talk to me? Can you ever think about that for a moment and say, maybe God is talking to me actually through this individual? Because some of you think that everyone has something against you. Speaking the truth in love that we might grow up into him in all things. This is a faith that worketh through love. You must understand that the love of God is available through instruction to speak even the worst thing about you if God feels that that's the way he can help you. But don't ever think that people like us can get to that level of zeroing down to have issues with you. You understand it? The anointing on my life cannot allow me to have an issue against someone. I am so anointed to have an issue on someone, so anointed. I'm not boasting, it's the truth. I've been so heavily anointed that the responsibility of that anointing cannot make me have an issue against someone. That's why you've never heard me answering our naysayers. I'm not on Facebook, I'm not on Instagram, I'm not on Twitter. It's too, too, too small for me. Because we have a responsibility for the world and the world lies in darkness. You understand? God has sent us to wicked men and good men as well. So our mandate is big. Are you following? So in my head, I could understand what Jesus went through when he's talking to men, when he's telling them, look, you guys think I'm here? Okay, yes, maybe your political system is frustrated. Maybe your economies are frustrated. Maybe your social structures have been broken in the coming of the kingdom message. But with Christ's heart, the heart he has towards them, it was never intended to break their system. Because the mind of God was so to the intent that the kingdom of God be preached. But in effect, damage was hit on the systems of the world. Not as though he directed his power and effort to have damage on those systems. But almost as though that his mind for the bringing of the kingdom, for the infusing of the kingdom, right? And impressing it on the earth, consequently had effects on what he had not necessarily intended to put on them. It's like when somebody's walking, right? And then they trip. And when they trip, they fall on you. Then you say, why have you hit me? It might look like the person has hit you. But they've not hit you. They've not even intended to hurt you. But it's just a consequence of their tripping that their weight hits you. You will feel every effect. But if you enter the mind and heart of that person, they did not intend to fall on you and beat you. You see what I'm trying to say? So you must firstly understand the mind of God. When he comes later, he tells men, look, even in the coming, when I'm coming to the world, I'm coming to the world to reprove it. I'm not coming to the world to compare myself with it. I'm not coming to the world to weigh myself against it. It's not even worthy to be compared to the mind and desire of the things of the kingdom. The mind that he sees as God is way bigger than what you think the earth thinks of. Are you hearing me? So, we have many Christians who even though they are born again, they 
still see things the way the kingdoms of this world see things. The way the systems of this world see things. The way the structures of this world see things. And because of that, they respond to phenomena, stimuli, hypothesis, theory, experience, life. They do life exactly as men and women of this world. Because they don't see that God is not just, he doesn't want to give you the job such that he ashamed your enemy. No, your enemy is ashamed in the process. But God has not given you the job such that he can ashamed your enemy, no. But your enemy will be ashamed in the process. That is a byproduct. The real mind of that job comes with a certain responsibility above the privilege of ashamed your enemy. He prepares the table in the presence of my enemies. He, my cup runneth over. Yes, it's true he prepares the table. But it's not to the end that your enemies will see you eating. It's to the end that you will eat for the journey is long. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's to the end that you'll eat and preserve life because he needs you to fulfill the God-given purpose. There are things God has done for me and I can, I, sometimes I feel sorry for those who attacked us years ago because Bambi, I think Bambi, now what are they thinking when they see? You understand? But that's a by the way. God didn't do it for your enemies. He did it for you. Because he has a bigger purpose. That is why every time that mindset is not held, every blessing of the spirit will not come with responsibility. It will come with privilege. And every time it comes with privilege, it starts to get a sort of misguided line in its administration. And that is why you see some people, the more the anointing increases, the more everything. You understand, eh? Don't call me, don't touch me, don't come near me. You're there, I am here. You have this, you have that. You're not even in the class of meeting me. Nobody gets to the Father except through. You understand it? So <laughs> they, 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 they create a sort of scarcity around them such that by the time you meet the man of God, John 18:36 was a very powerful statement to tell men. Because now, me preaching about it, I'm not just preaching about it because Jesus only said it to them, but I see how so much it correlates with present dispensation. How men are so patterned after the world that even when the things of the kingdom come toward them, they see them from the way the world sees it, not from the way the spirit sees it, not from the way the mind of God observes it. In Romans chapter 12, verses 2, if you read the Amplified, when Paul tells the church and he tells them, do not be conformed to this world, it means it's possible for a believer to be conformed to the world. And he says, do not be fashioned after and adapt to its external superficial customs. Why does he call the customs superficial? Do you know the meaning of superficial? Superficial means realistically fake, pretentiously. It's pretentious. It's not something that, it's, it's giving you one picture of a thing that it actually isn't. When you talk about wealth, the world has a definition of wealth, but their definition of wealth is not actually wealth. When you talk about wisdom, the world has its definition of wisdom, but it, their definition of wisdom is not actually wisdom. When you talk about power, the world has its own definition of power. When Muhammad Ali was fighting, I remember that guy because I studied him. There was something God was speaking to me about how the world sees things. So I took time to study Muhammad Ali as a man. I saw his biography from beginning, how he was born, he was a Christian, how he became Muslim, what led him to become Muslim, and you know, how he threw away the slave name, Akashas Clay. And I saw, I took, Muhammad Ali, I studied as an individual because there was something the Lord was showing me about this same man. And I remember a time when he was at the top of his career. Eh? He said, I'm the world's greatest 
floating like a butterfly and stinging like a bee. Punching seven punches in two seconds. You understand? Now, Muhammad Ali, at one point, everyone called him the world's greatest. That's how the world viewed him. The man that denounced Christ and followed after Islam, he was the world's greatest. He felt he was the world's greatest. And to see him at his old age, in fact, he got Parkinson's before he even finished fighting. And he could not even hold anything right. And so ironically, years later, Joe Foreman, George Foreman, the guy who he beat, becomes born again, becomes a Christian, is still alive and serving God. It was so, so fulfilling, the scripture of what will it profit a man that he will gain the whole world and lose his soul. What was his definition of greatness? And it was nothing. Praise God. It was nothing. But you see, the way the world sees things, they systemize, they conform, they carry attitudes and mentalities and ideas that are exactly the way they're supposed to be. They are superficial customs. When Paul tells you do not conform, it means it's possible to be Christian but still have that mentality. To think that you're the world's greatest because you're the greatest boxer. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? He tells you be transformed and changed by the entire new of your mind because what happens in your mind is that God gives you new ideals and attitudes. Not ideas, ideals and attitudes. He gives you a certain attitude and a certain ideal, a certain understanding of, of life that is so different from the way the world sees it. And once that understanding comes to you, he tells you, when you get to that understanding, you realize that when it comes to the will, there is the good, there is the acceptable, and there is the perfect. Will. And then there is a place outside the entire will of God. Because you see, all of these good, acceptable, perfect, 30, 60, 100 fold, you know, you will understand it as you continue to study that all of us produce results according to where we are at in this matrix as of whether we are in the good will, we are in the acceptable, we are in the perfect will of God concerning our lives. There are people who will die without having done even a third, a quarter, a tenth of what they could have done according to God's mind concerning their lives and they will die and fall like one of the princes. Why? Because understanding is not in them. Darkness walks in their hearts and the foundations have fallen out of course and what they would have had as responsibility to restore the same foundations for every blessing that came to them and anointing it was privilege to establish and build kingdoms of earth and follow after the pattern of praise and glory that the men of this world earn. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? I've seen men who have been heavily anointed by God, but as they were heavily anointed, you start to see them now shift back into the glory of the world and what the world defines as great. And then we start to identify with everything the world defines as great. And people look at us and we inspire them, not in the way of the spirit, but in the way of the world. And they don't even know that we are leading men back into the world. Because they are already worldly, they're already carnal. You understand? 
the issue why God wants to rebuke that ideal and that attitude and give you a spiritual one is because at the end of the day, you're going to frustrate the full purpose of God concerning your life. Matthew 13, 22, when he's talking about the facets of hearing, tonight I want to talk about the one that falls in the thorn. He says, and he that receives the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Do you know that the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches thereof in the world can choke the word and make a man unfruitful? It does not mean, however, that because the man has been choked and is unfruitful in the things of the spirit, it does not necessarily mean, therefore, that he's unfruitful in the things of the world. In fact, you can become richer. And then you say, oh, the Lord has blessed me. I used to walk, now I'm driving. Yes, but where are you spiritually? Yes, you used to rent and now you live in the mansion, but where are you spiritually? Yes, you are single and you finally got the man you always dreamed of of your life, but where are you spiritually? Is he an altar? Do you have an altar in your house because you're married? Are you serving purpose in this marriage? Or you're simply like those of the world who just get married because they are desperate. Let me talk to our women a bit. Let me talk to our women a bit. When you enter the world, pressure and competitions are the order of the day. If you're not married at this age, if you're not married this way, if you're not married so and so, if you're not why will you manage, you understand? Why? Because that's how the world sees it. You are a woman of purpose. You don't just marry. Are you hearing me? And you're not less because you're, 20, you're 32 and you're not married. No. The Bible says ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Whether you have a man or you don't, ye are. So, bash this understanding of this is my other half. Bambi, <laughs> enter marriage complete. Somebody shout hallelujah. I said enter marriage what? And with purpose. That's why our girls are compromising. You ask her, but why are you marrying this person? Ah, men are few. Apostle. In the world, not in the kingdom of God. I said they are few in the world, but they are not few in the kingdom of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stop putting yourself on pressure women in the world have. Stop. They don't have a purpose. For them, their end is getting married. Yours is not. Whether you're married or not, your end is Christ. Who is understanding what I'm trying to tell you? Stop selling yourselves cheap. You hate, but Christian girl brings a guy who... Guy is facing some box and you're... Some direction like this. Why? No, I love him. He's good. What is good? What is the definition of good? Hey, Apostle, there are even bad men who are born again. Yes, you'd rather have a bad one in a covenant. Why? Because in his craziness, at least you can report him to God and God slaps some sense into him. But how will he get the man in the box to, 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 how? Because you've already yoked in another covenant. Praise God. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? Keep yourself for the right one. He will come. But while you're on your way, marry Jesus. He's available for you. Hey. <laughs> and he's coming back for his bride. Hey, you understand? So, but that's how the world sees it. Look at people at workplaces. You compete in your workplaces like men of the world. I'll give you a simple scenario. Somebody badmouths you, right, at your workplace, and they speak evil, they blackmail you. And then you're called before disciplinary. Hmm? 
For a Christian, all you need is to seek justice, and justice can only be that you are stating the truth. Consequently, in stating the truth, you will prove the other one a liar, but it was not your intention to prove the other person a liar. Your intention was to simply state the what? That's the Christian mind and attitude. But then there are people who say, ah, she spoke, I'm going to show her. Let me go to disciplinary. Then you reach there. You even go beyond what you're supposed to state to, to exonerate you. You go deep and say, in 2000, this one did this. In 1990, this one did this. You even go beyond what is expected of you. You even come out and say, never pick on me again. Brother, woman of God, you have done it exactly. You are where the devil wanted you. He consumed you with enough evil that you consequently also fought that individual. There were people in the world fight. State the truth and stick on that only. But some of you even bring out things you're not supposed to. Be. He even did this. He even said that at the end of the day, you also say, if you smear me, I smear you. You slap me, I slap you. But you see, that means tit for tat. You understand? You have fallen from the state of the Christian expectation. Why? Because a man is competing with you. Let them have it. If you can only state the truth, state the truth and walk out. I told people, me longer guy told people, I will never be a part of another man of God's downfall, even if they wish me the worst. There are men eh, in this nation who attack me. If I open just two pages of their encyclopedia, they would close church. But I'm not of this world. I am not of this world. Let them attack and fight, that's them. The message is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. I don't need to win before social media and Facebook and Twitter and Skype and Instagram. They don't need to put this on my YouTube to believe I'm vindicated by God. Even if I found a million souls, are you hearing me? My vindication is God. It's beyond likes. It's beyond likes. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? My expectation is of him. So, you know, I one time served with a minister. This fellow was very vengeful. You know, when you do this, you also, eh, even me, I'm going to. But I look, I'm like, but why is this going again? Because that's exactly how the world is. It, it's not different. When you become born again, revenge is not you. I'm not saying don't revenge. I'm saying revenge is not you. You get the difference, eh? It's not your nature. Like you can't mow, you can't bark. I can't tell you don't bark because you can't bark. Barking is for dogs. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? You can't, you can't because it's not, in, you can't buzz. No, that is you imitating a, a buzz. The buzz originally is for a bee. That's its, its nature. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? You are in a company and then you do an internal job advertisement and then you guys are probably five, six people in the same interview. And then before you know that in the Southern interview, consequently, you know one of your friends takes it. Eh? And then you start. This kind of misogyny, this kind of sectarianism, this kind of favoritism. They favored her because she has a nose like theirs. Listen. The blessing of God cannot fail even in the most racially divided society. The anointing, the favor of Almighty God cannot fail even amidst the most confused misogyny, the biggest segregation and sectarianism and favoritism. It doesn't matter. Simayashi was a friend and a brother and a cousin, Simayan to the head of the company. And so consequently, the interviews were just formal. They were just a, a formality. But, you know, I could have gotten it because I had... No, listen, you're now thinking like the world. When the blessing of God falls on your life, 
It does not matter who you sit with in the interview, whether they are cousin, sister, and brother, and love and closest friend to whoever praises. When the thing of God opens on your life, it has opened. When you get that understanding, you celebrate every door, even when it's not open to you. You sit in an interview with an individual, seven, eight people, and then one takes it and you write her an email and say, congratulations, dear girl, you've done it. I'm so proud of you. That's a Christian. That's the reason why we hear men who have bought land and we send them checks and tell them, congratulations, brother. We're happy for you. We are coming too. That is why we hear men who are doing successes in the ministry and we add to them and say thank you for the work that you're doing. We send them cards and tell them we celebrate the anointing of God upon your life. There is a minister, every time they see finery increasing, he'll fall. They are dying to see. Are you hearing me? And you see, as a man of God, you can also get so locked up in the conjecture and rhetoric that now you start to so much seek God that he'll raise you to make the other one feel bad. Oh, no. That's a by the way. The bigger picture is stay doing what God called you to do. Somebody shout hallelujah. I have refused to be a victim even when it's obvious that I'm a victim. Because that's the attitude of the world. You victimize yourself and then you start looking for people to compromise, to comfort you, to feel sorry for you. And then after that, you start building a group eh, of offense eh, and opposition. And then you start waging war. Are you hearing me? And then you start fighting unholy wars and strange fires. Why? Because you also need to make your own side of the story and win. And once you start having that mentality, the things of the world stop offending you a certain way. You understand? One time I was in Dubai. I was going. And so I was going through connections. You know how you're connecting, you're going to another nation. And so there's two lines. There's one line here for first class people, you know, business class in here, right? Here. And then there's another one line here which is for economy class. This one is fast track. The one for, you know, business first class. And so the economy class guys are here, right? And then there's, um, of course, this one you will not doubt it. All of you know that we live in a very racially segregated society. It's the reality of things. It's a world. It's a mentality. It's the attitude of the world. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? It's how the world sees things. So as I'm walking like this, I'm coming. And so I read, I see first, the first class and what here, first track, and then I see the economy. So I, I'm here, and I was entering like this. There's a, a fellow here. Um, I think he was probably Pakistani or some Indonesian. I don't know. He says, hey, this way. This way, he said, meaning I looked economy. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Now, I thank God because I understood this early. I could have victimized myself and taken on this man on a racial card. And I was right because I think he looked at my color and the way I was looking and he knew that a guy like me cannot afford first class. Are you hearing me? I could have taken him on that. But I refuse to even think that I'm of this world to be Jew or Gentile, to be American or African. No. There is a place in me that even transcends the African and takes me to Zion. So I, I refuse to victimize myself. You see the color? I don't see it on me. I don't take you on and say, okay, so why do you, no, no. So I went to him and I said, sir, is it because I look small? Me, I looked at my weight. I refused to observe what he was seeing. So as he's looking at me, a certain Indian guy comes from nowhere. That one cut 20 wires. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him. He puts me aside, you see these people, they look at da 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 
watching movies here, I'm like, oh my God, my God. But I know why they're putting sense in this fellow. It's sad, but I refuse. Even if they give me the impression, I refuse to think that I'm less. Because I know who I am. I know who I am. My first identifier is called Ramando Zobroko Talapa. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That is the thing that has put me on the flight in the first place to go and preach the gospel. I didn't earn a worldly ticket. The world didn't buy me that ticket. It was the anointing. That one doesn't know the color. Are you hearing me? But I refused. And I tell us black people, even if you have black color, right? Refuse to stay in the plantation. You know what I mean by that? In other words, you're always gonna have people who have problems with you because of your color, your skin, your tribe, and where you come from. But prove them wrong every time. Read like a first class citizen. Work like a first class citizen. Invest like a first class citizen. Think like a first class citizen. Instruct like a first class citizen. Marry one wife like a first class citizen. Love your wife like a first class citizen. Raise children like a first class citizen. Give them God like a first class citizen. Take them to the best schools like a first class citizen. It doesn't matter how many opportunities they will give you or deny you. Refuse to stay in the plantation. Because now they have the liberty to come out of the slavery mentality. Many of them were released from slavery, but they are still enslaved here. If a man can win a boxing bout and go on television and flash a $2 million wristwatch because he punched somebody and he got $100 million probably in a fight. Are you hearing me? Which watch does Zuckerberg wear? What cologne does Bill Gates have? What is the designer suit Bill Gates puts on again? Which designer shirt does Warren Buffett put on again? How folk are putting on chains, they're almost breaking their backs. No offense, no offense. Those are rich men who stayed in the plantation. happening. Some of you think that having money means you're going to step on everybody's toe. You're still in the plantation. You, the way you talk, the way you walk. Yeah, I see it with some men of God even. When they get a little money like this, oh my goodness, they will need 20 bodyguards, 17 cars, you know, you know, bazookas looking down on them to make sure they are guarded. That's how the world keeps their own. The kingdom of God is kept differently. The Bible says in Peter, we have been kept by the power of God unto salvation. He was with me on the border border. He knew me when I was praying in Migerenge. He walked with me at midnight hours in Bessania on the mountain. That anointing kept me when I walked six kilometers down there in Wantone in Mukono. That same God who was with me then, it doesn't matter how big I will become, he still has something that guts me. Look at the responsibility not the privilege. If you have money, why do you have money? Why are 400 million people on the face of Africa lacking and sleeping every day below a dollar, but you're richer than that? Why are you richer? Is it privilege or responsibility? Why are you wiser? Why are you stronger? Why are you hearing the stuff you're hearing? Why are you praying the way you're praying? Why did you go to the school you go to? Why are you working in the organization that you're working in? Responsibility. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yes, they might have problems with color, but a time will come where they will not have problems with color. No, no. There, a time will come when the gospel we are preaching even will make sense to first world. Praise God, somebody. Yeah. 
I told people if the gospel we preach cannot cross beyond color, tribe, ethnicity, then we are not preaching. They tell you in the United States of America, it's most divided on Sunday mornings. That is not the gospel. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. An American has to come in this meeting and feel that they understand. A British must sit in this meeting and feel like they understand. A Nigerian has to come to this same meeting and feel like they understand. A Kenyan must come to this meeting and feel like they can connect with me a certain way because this is the gospel of the kingdom. The world will divide us, but the gospel should unite us. Praise God, somebody. But every time we function ourselves against the world, we start to be funny. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 10, the spirit of the world hit the very boys that were serving Paul every day. And he said, Demas has forsaken me for the love of this present world and went to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. These boys served oil, but there came a time where they were so confused and convinced in the love of this world and they were taken into deceitful riches. And before we know that, they walked off and that is Baal, the God of turning away. The name Baal means the God of turning away. Even if you turn away from the slightest angle theta, the, the slightest degree from the right course God has called you. And you can turn to anything. You can turn to money. You can turn to the pressures of the world. You can turn to the influences of men. Even a man can turn you. A woman can turn you. A relationship can turn you. A business can turn you. If you are here, and you sought and served God more than you do now after you got that job or business. You need help because your mentality is slavery. You're still in the plantation. You think that that money is your victory and your freedom in God. Yet you knew and you were somebody even before that money. God had a relationship with you even before that relationship you entered. Let nothing ever separate you from the love of God which is revealed in Christ. Become richer and serve God more. Get married and serve God better. Have children and become more effective because you're producing ministers out of them. That is what we call the responsibility of the anointing. Who is following what I'm trying to tell us? Let's work so hard like men on a mission. Let's go to our jobs and people see your excellence as a banker or in that organization and let them truly see that this is not just a woman for a paycheck. This is a woman on purpose. Her mentality is to add something to the kingdom. There is a person here, $10,000 is enough to kill you. If you just got $10,000 in your life, it can kill you. Because if it comes to your hands, it comes to a slave. And every time a slave gets blessing, they look for survival, not assignment. They don't look to mandate. They look for survival. And slavery is not only with African men. It's with the Americans. It's with the whole world. Men are enslaved here. Because they think that the world is... Let me tell you, these buildings we're building, all of them will be no more. Everything you think is, it shall be no more. God took me to that place many years ago and I thank him because when he did, he killed a lot in me and I'm still a work in progress. Like Paul says, in dying's often. I still keep this mind void of offense toward God in light to this understanding that every time I'm doing things, I must refuse to think wildly. And I realized that the moment I detached from the world, like Paul says, I'm dead to the world and the world is dead to you, you're going to be so shocked that the things you thought you needed to fight for, strive for, um, manipulate for, abuse for, uh, get the wrong way for, they all start coming and attaching themselves to you without seeking them. But you see, by the time you get to that level where they attach themselves to you, you're so dead to them. Again, 
it's not the man who thinks now, okay, now let me attend to the things of the kingdom because that is the only way the things of this world, will, the money will come and everything. When you have that mentality, your eyes are still on the world. So you're doing this kingdom work, but your prize is on the things of the world. I'm talking about your eyes being Christ and your prize being the ultimate God. As you serve him, even as I'm dead to money, I'm dead to possessions, I'm dead to honor, whether you honor me or you don't. Are you hearing me? That's me. Ask my wife. I still iron my clothes if I have to. I still clean my shoes if I have to. I still get on the airports and still carry my bags. I still do. I, because that doesn't take anything from me. Give me the mic. You give me the mic. You'll see. You understand? And that is why Paul is talking to his spiritual son, the very voice print of a father to the son. He tells him in 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6, he says, and it, it is indeed a source of immense profit to carry godliness accompanied with contentment. That contentment, which is in a sense, not outwardly with superficial customs, but inwardly of sufficiency. He says it is of great and abundant gain. When you are complete not because of the money you have you don't feel less because a person packed a Mercedes and you came on foot that doesn't take anything away carry that sufficiency of God which is inside out of that treasure in earthen vessels he says that is of abundant gain and the Bible says in the next verse for we brought nothing into the world and obviously we cannot take anything out of the world no matter how many things we build we will leave them and one day there will be ash and dust and the next verse says but if we have food and clothing with these shall we be content and satisfied even with money I give out most of it I only keep what I need because I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. This world owes me nothing and I don't owe it anything. I'm a free man in this world. I'm not conscious of lack. I'm not conscious of anything. I'm just conscious of this one God, author and the finish of my faith. When you get to that freedom, the Bible says it's of abundant gain. Now, that is a space many people will never understand because they don't understand what God means when he says abundant gain. This abundant gain translates in more responsibility because then it means God can trust you with certain oracles. See, Hebrews 2.17 calls it the hidden manner. There are things that are hidden only for men who have the eyes and heart of God in the matter. You don't even need to be a preacher in that. Are you hearing me? So go make millions of dollars. Go build houses and live well. Drive nice cars. And I wish the best for you. But in all of these things, be dead to the world. One time, somebody saw me driving a nice car. He says, how do you feel sitting in that car? I told him, nothing at all. Aren't you grateful to God? No, no, no. Don't mistake me that I'm not grateful to God. But toys don't provoke my spirit. Are you hearing me? Blessings, the increase doesn't elevate my consciousness. It's that car moment when I go back home and sit in that car corner and put on my worship and it tells me, I am here with you. And we sit and talk. That is priceless. I could lose everything in this world but not that voice that's the frequency that brings you every Sunday it's the frequency that brings you every Thursday it's the frequency that opens men to live stream it's the frequency that takes us on TBN and takes us in India now we are in Europe doing television in Europe every day of the week and to the glory of God and while they are looking to us for questions, we point on him. Indeed, like one man said, when you turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, the things of the world grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. Die to the world. Just die to the world. Yes, you're going to be so great. You're going to have jets. And that I prophesy on your life. 
But when men find us, let them find the world so empty of us and God so full of us that we can tell them where you're trying to get to, I have been, and I can only tell you there is nothing there except God. You need God. You need God. Now, some of you are so in the world that you admire people who have money. You admire people who live well. You, let me tell you, me that thing died long ago. I don't look at somebody driving a Mercedes and I'm like, oh my, because I don't know how she's sleeping. Maybe at night they don't have sleep. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? I am content in this thing that I know God and that God is with me to the end. I refuse to be conformed to the standards of this world, to think like the men of this world. I refuse to compete and compare. I refuse to, hey, but now who, me, I'm better than that man. Me, this man is better than me. Even me, I'm better than that man of God. No, I know my race. I know my course. I know the people God has ordained me for. And I know what I'm supposed to do in their lives. It shall be enough that when I was on this earth, I gave them the full counsel of the oracle of God. And when you enter that place, every time God comes to speak to you, he comes with a voice of giving you more responsibility. Now what people see is increase. And then a man comes and tells you, eh, apostle, what do you do that your church is growing every day? Because the, the mindset of the world is telling them that I'm doing something and it's like a tweak or a swinging of a magic wand. And they're going to do it and their ministry is going to grow. No. And it's so sad. When I give them the answer, they get so, so sad because I tell them, no, I'm not building. That's the trick. It's God building. See, you, you're building your own kingdom. Me, I stopped building long ago because it failed. When I built like a man, it failed. And when I let God build his building, are you hearing me? And some of them don't know where to begin from because all their lives they've been patterning themselves according to what they must do, not what Christ is doing in their lives. Let me tell you, we're going to be great people. Don't even doubt whether money, health, wealth, children, glory, anointing, those things are going to increase on us. But let people find us and see that with all that we have, we are still dead men, but alive unto God. Speak to God. In Christ alone, my hope is found. that you'll put our eyes on the things that are beyond this world. The place where the eyes of men cannot see but only you behold. That you'll keep our eyes fixed on that which is perfect and pleasing to you, God. That we will know that we are pilgrims on this earth and like our fathers Abraham, we're looking for a city whose founder and builder is God. That our eyes look to the beginning and the end of this conversation and that at the end of the day, it's not the monies, it's not the cars, it's not the houses, it's not the children. It's the fulfillment of what you ordained us to do and that we did it well. So we thank you because you align us to purpose and course that our destiny is assured 
in line with the words that we've heard tonight. We refuse to be conformed to the ideals and attitudes of this world which come to nothing and bring more deception and deceitfulness. May the word of God never choke again in our lives. May it never become unfruitful again because of this world and the deceitfulness of the riches and how the world sees things. We choose to see things by the eyes of God. In Jesus' name we've prayed and believed. And all saints said, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ and you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior today, you're tired of the world, you're going to repeat this other to me. Say, Lord Jesus, I've heard your word. I've believed it. That you died for me and was raised for me. Tonight, I receive you as Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.